everybody. Welcome to the Stepping Off Now podcast. I'm Kendra. Before I start in today, I want to give a plug for my newsletter. If you haven't signed up for it, you can sign up by heading over to KendraPatterson.com and clicking on the newsletter link up top. Currently, I'm sending it out about once every couple of weeks, and it always contains a kind of up-to-the-moment, short, personal vignette, often about stuff that I don't necessarily talk about on this podcast, as well as interesting links to stuff that I found around the web. It's a pretty short newsletter, not too taxing on the brain, but hopefully it will resonate with anyone who is living the creative life and dealing with the ups and downs of being a creative or an artist. This last edition of the newsletter, I talked about something that has happened recently. And I got a couple encouraging emails back from some of you. Thank you so much to those of you who emailed me about this. I had entered the first few pages of my novel in a first pages competition a couple months ago. And I just got the email, like, literally moments before I sat down to write the newsletter that my first pages were not chosen even even for for long listing. So that was a huge disappointment for me. And so I wrote in the newsletter a little bit about those feelings that I was having. That's what I mean when I say it's an up to the minute <laughs> vignette about life as a creative. And you get it fresh there, fresh, hot off the presses in my newsletter. So before I get into today's topic, I'm going to be talking about what it means to trust the process and my own thoughts about what that looks like and feels like. I wanted to talk briefly about the concept of failure. When a disappointment like this competition happens in the life of a creative, you can often have feelings of having failed. And of course, I know objectively that this isn't a failure. It's actually more of a success, right? Because I entered the competition in the first place. I worked really hard on my submission. And not getting chosen has spurred me on to make even more revisions to those first pages because first pages are important. Of course, that's that's really the, the stuff that needs to suck the reader in. But you can know something objectively and still feel the opposite emotionally. You can still feel like this stuff is like a failure. And I think that that's valid. I think that feelings are real. Feelings are both not real and real at the same time. And that's the paradox of them. But I'm not the type of person who wants to try to talk myself out of feeling the way I feel. And I think there's some value in contemplating failure. Because when you are living the life of a creative and doing work, putting work out there, you deal with multiple failures all the time, small and large. The real truth is that there's absolutely nothing wrong with failing. Because what failing shows you is that, as Brene Brown puts it, you're in that arena. And that really helps me. Of all the things that the wise Brene has taught us, her conceptualization of the arena, to me, is the most helpful. The concept of the arena is basically this, that some people are down there in the arena trying hard, and other people are up in the stands. And if you're one of the ones down in the arena, and all of us have the capacity to go down there, but many of us are scared, 
the reason is, is because if you're one of the ones down there in the arena, inevitably, you're going to fail. We tend to think of the act of actually going down into the arena as the brave part. But that's not the brave part. (laughs) The brave part is staying in the arena and picking yourself up again after each inevitable failure. And as Brene says, it's not a matter of if but when that you're going to stumble, you're going to fall, someone's going to whack you across the back of the head. It's going to happen because you're in the arena. And that's the only thing that it means. It means that you're there and that you're trying. That's why I'm okay with contemplating failure. That's why I'm okay with seeing my feelings of failure as legitimate, even though I also know that I'm not failing from a broader perspective. But when you're in the moment of a disappointment, of a discouragement, you can feel that it's a failure. And I think it's okay to feel that way. These kinds of things can really hurt a lot because they feel like rejections, even when you know that they're not personal. And it can take a while to to move through that because you've been hurt. But it's okay. It's okay. This is this is what life is in general. This is what the creative life certainly is. <laughs> Sometimes I think of it as being failure all the way down. But there's also great joy in knowing that ultimately, that kind of stuff, the disappointments, the discouragements are peripheral to the actual joy of and privilege of getting to be creative, to do creative work, and to find pleasure in that creative work. And on that note, I am going to seg into today's topic, which is what the heck do we mean when we say trust the process? And my answer to that has something to do with pleasure. I'm going to talk about this in a slightly different way than you may have heard it spoken about before. So this piece of advice to trust the process, if you want to call it advice, is something that most of us have probably heard along the way. If we are creatives, I know particularly writers hear this a lot. And it's one of those things that sounds all well and good, and you can kind of perceive the wisdom in it. But it's also something that is so vague that whatever wisdom it contains is inert, practically useless, because how do you operationalize that? Trusting the process. I have a friend who says that whenever she hears someone say, trust the process, she wants to scream because it's like, yeah, okay, fine, but what do I do? How? How do I do that? And the problem with trusting the process is that it often seems like we only understand what the process is in retrospect. We can look back on events like this recent discouragement I've had once we've gained some equanimity about it and be like, oh, I see that was part of the process. But that's not really trusting the process, right? If it's only in retrospect that you're like, oh, okay, I can see because it led to this thing and that led to this thing. That was the process, this sort of magical, mysterious, uncontrollable thing that unfolds. And what, we're just supposed to like trust it in the moment, flailing about because we can't see the larger picture? That's the problem with this idea of trusting the process, that really what it seems to be saying is that you're you're kind of like in that that metaphor of the the car on a dark road and the headlights are only illuminating a little bit ahead of the car and that's all you can see so you can only really see what's happening right in the moment and you have to have a kind of blind faith that the road is going to be there in the next moment in the next moment that is not going to drop off a cliff and yes to some extent that is what trusting the process 
is about, but I do believe that there is a way to operationalize trusting the process in such a way that we do feel like we have some guidance and we do feel that we have some kind of handle on it, that we're not just being buffeted by these invisible forces of whatever the process involves. And what I'm going to propose is somewhat, I would say, radical, because it's very, very different from how we usually approach process. How do we usually approach process? Well, usually we approach it by trying to be very planny, right? We have goals, or maybe we don't do goals, but we have some kind of vague intentions at the very least, destinations we're headed towards. And even if we can't see exactly what the road ahead of us holds, we at least feel that we have some kind of idea what direction it's going in. And if we stray too far, if the road starts twisting and turning, or makes a 90 degree turn in another direction, we're probably gonna turn back around and, and try to get back on the, on the straighter path. If we do stay on that windy road, it's because we have become better at trusting the process. But it's still very nerve wracking. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation like that where you are actually driving down roads that you think may be going to the destination you're looking for, but you're not entirely sure. This doesn't happen that much anymore because we have GPS, but I'm sure most of you can remember days when all we had were paper maps and maybe not even one of those, or maybe they weren't so good. Often this kind of thing happens when you're traveling to other places or other countries even. And you're just kind of hoping that that road leads you to your destination, but you're not sure it is going to. And that's that's a very scary, anxiety-producing circumstance. And so that's the problem with trying to trust the process is that we're naturally going to feel that way in situations of uncertainty and ambiguity. It's very difficult to become totally comfortable with uncertainty or ambiguity because those feelings of discomfort are what uncertainty and ambiguity are, right? That if we didn't feel those things, then the situation wouldn't be uncertain. It would just be a situation in which we're totally comfortable and whatever happens, happens. But there's no uncertainty involved in that. So even when we do become comfortable with uncertainty and ambiguity, we're still going to feel that edge of anxiety. So what can we use as signposts, guideposts, to reassure ourselves that we are indeed on the right road. What I suggest is a radical commitment to pleasure in the creative process and using that pleasure that we feel in the act of creation as our signpost to let us know that we are on the right track. Now, to make this feel a bit more like a real theory rather than something I just made up, I'm going to tell you why I think this is how to trust the process in a more active sense through pleasure seeking. We all know about creative flow. Creative flow is that state you enter into when the words just seem to come to you and you lose track of time. You're in the moment and you found your groove. You're in your element, however you want to call this. Mihai Csikszentmihalyi, who developed the concept of flow after a lot of scientific observation. So this is evidence-based. The science of flow is a real thing. 
characterizes flow as optimal experience. What does optimal experience mean? Well, it means that when you are in flow, it is something that feels really good. Anyone who has experienced flow will tell you that it feels amazing. I'm a skier, and when I hit that zone on the mountain, it starts to feel like the mountain is skiing me rather than me skiing the mountain, like I'm flying, like I can anticipate almost ahead of time the kind of movement I need to make on my skis. Creative flow is very similar. Sometimes I sit down and the words just flow. They just come out. And other times they really don't. And it really is like pulling teeth. And there is a very stark difference between how those two things feel. One feels awful. The other one feels great. It feels pleasurable. And I should add that flow maybe only lasts for some seconds. So you're not failing at flow if you sit down to write and in the hour-long session, you only have 30 seconds of flow. Flow is flow. And because you lose track of time, because it is truly an integration of action into the present moment, 30 seconds is as good as 30 hours because time ceases to exist in that moment of flow. This is why I believe that seeking pleasure in creative process is or should be our primary focus. Because when we feel that, we approach flow or are actively in flow. And flow is the way to tap into our true potential and develop in the right direction. Flow is what gives us our capacity to express ourselves creatively. And inevitably, that means that you will move forward and develop yourself as a creative and find your voice. So this is what I think when we say trust the process. What we may actually be talking about without really knowing it is this pleasure-seeking principle at the heart of creativity. The problem is, is that we have a lot of ideas around the opposition of pleasure and work that get in the way. We believe that to accomplish anything, we have to work hard. And working hard, you know, it can maybe have its pleasures. Certain types of hard work can feel good sometimes. But we would never see working hard as seeking pleasure. We see those two things as the opposite. Pleasure seeking, we associate that with hedonism, with letting go of responsibilities, with the path that leads to ruin drinking, gambling, sex addiction. <laughs> I mean, the kind of we associate pleasure seeking with addictive behaviors in a negative sense. We feel that we're going to lose all control, right? If we make pleasure seeking our, our, our focus. That's why it is so difficult for us to let go and let creativity flow. Because when we do that, it's not hard. It becomes easy. It becomes pleasurable. And if we don't have those signposts of hard work that we use to judge whether or not we've actually worked hard, exhaustion being one of them, busyness being another one, physical depletion, emotional depletion, sometimes, you know, flashes of despair that we worked so hard and are still struggling, confusion, we worked so hard, we did all the right things, and still life doesn't feel fulfilling. It's deeply challenging to us to feel like we've done hard work when there hasn't been some kind of pain involved, right? No pain, no gain. We are very much stuck in the no pain, no gain mindset. 
We don't even have a saying for the more pleasure you feel, the more, the further you get or the more you gain, or I don't even know how to, to say it. But that is true when it comes to creativity, because that's the generative aspect of creativity, the generative energy that enables you to continue to do your creative work over time and to deal with all of those challenging aspects of it, the inevitable failures, the ups and the downs, the uncertainties and ambiguities of the obscured path. But if we can use pleasure as the principle by which we judge the fit of our path, whether or not we're on the right path, that is one way you can trust the process and feel more secure in the knowledge that you are actively working with the process, this mysterious force that impacts us as we move forward in life, that you're in active partnership with it. And I think that the added benefit of using this methodology of trusting the process is that it can help us move through the difficult feelings of discouragement and disappointment that we will inevitably have along the way. That we're not just stumbling from one failure to the next, dragging ourselves forward, but that we're actively and joyfully dancing with the mysteries of the process and trusting, much like we would a dance partner, a partner of any kind. And if you think about it, this is actually how we treat many aspects of our lives, right? How do we know that our friends are good friends? Well, because for the most part, it feels really good to be around them. How do we know that our spouse is the right spouse? Again, because there's pleasure involved, the pleasure of their company, the pleasure of a mutual commitment. And even though we look at things like that, and we acknowledge that there's hard work involved, there has to be significant pleasure involved for us to want to continue with that hard work. Human beings are built for pleasure. It's how we know that something is good in a really basic biological sense, right? Why do some types of food taste better than others to us? Fatty foods, for example. Well, it's because in food-scarce environments, those are the foods that we would want to eat as much as we could. And I'm sure you're thinking, well, you know, pleasure can lead us astray. Again, this fear that we're going to lose all control. But that's not going to happen with creative flow. I think you can trust flow, you can trust yourself, and you can trust that seeking pleasure as your signpost along the creative path will have enormous benefits for you over time in both your growth as a creative and the overall quality of your life. And those are my thoughts on trusting the process. I hope that you found them useful or inspiring in some way. Please share this podcast with anyone you think might like it or need to hear what I have to say. Thank you so much for listening and spending this time with me. I'll see you next Friday. 